Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Daphne. And I'm Ilaria. And today's guest is a mom I'm sure we all watched on TV. If I sing a little song called, well, I won't, but in West Philadelphia, (laughs) born and raised. (laughs) I was dying. I was dying. I was like, please tell me that this runs through your brain in a nonstop loop the way that does for me 20 years later, because that was one of my all-time favorite shows. It's still fresh. (laughs) It's still so fresh. Um, She, of course, was on a show called, a little old show called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, We're so excited um, to have Tatiana Ali on the show today. You are going to hear passion. You're going to hear a lot of laughter. She is joyful. Um, Stay tuned. We we will get into um, Black Lives Matters and we're going to get into, um, you know, her her thoughts on advocacy for maternal health, not not just for everybody, but also for black women. And, um, you know, we learned a lot. So listen up. Mom, I'm Tatiana Ali. I'm mother of two sons, uh, Alejandro and Asi. And uh, I, I'm an actress, I think. I remember that that's what I used to do sometime before this pandemic. <laughs> yeah, you know, you may, may have heard of her once or twice, now I, you know. Now I, now I just act to my children. I read them stories. <laughs> But that's fun too. <laughs> Amazing. How lucky and, for them. And where can where can we follow you? Uh so Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is my name, Tatiana Ali. So there are two A's right next to each other. You're a mom of boys. Yes, I have two boys. My oldest is about to turn four, and the little one is about to turn one. Their their birthdays are like a month apart. Um Isn't it funny how you have a, f- a time of year? I have a time of year too. Yeah. Yes, it is, isn't it? Um, what math are you doing in your head? <laughs> no, well, it's like, well, <laughs> you know, the backwards math, obviously. Um, we're really into holidays. We really yeah, love holidays. The holidays are great. <laughs> Wait, really into holidays. New Year's. We celebrate. We love to celebrate. Um, <laughs> how, how was it transitioning from one to two? It was pretty good because I think that age difference was was a really good, a sweet spot for us. And my my now for my four-year-old was he was already potty trained I potty trained him in like you know my second trimester and he took to it really well so without that I think and he was just about at the right time to know like okay don't you know don't don't hurt the baby baby. Please, I worked so hard to bring this baby here. Please don't ruin it. (laughs) Yeah exactly and and also and to not and to want to be independent so to not really feel any of that like Oh, how come the baby's getting all of this? Right. And he wants mm-hmm. to be on his own. He's like, oh, that's baby stuff. Like I, you know, I'm a big boy. You're, I'm okay. They say that three year age difference is kind of amazing. And so it was interesting to watch that dynamic and how well, that, whereas like my closest two are like 14 months apart and it's like, <sighs> it's vicious. And they're, they're, <laughs> and they're two, they're two boys and like boys, you, as you know, they're just very physical. and They are very physical. I grew up with two I have two sisters, okay? So this was like, what is going on? I remember telling my, I was like, this is with my old, I was like, he's, he's breaking the, he's breaking the truck. I don't, why doesn't he want to play with it? And he's like, that he is playing with it. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) 
the dumbest. Oh my God, that's so It took funny. me a while to get it and to figure it out, but I got it. I think I almost got it now. We'll see. <laughs> I have three boys, so it's like, it's like I'm finally understanding men. Mm. <laughs> but I have to say, you know, I mean, your son just turned four. Three, three for me has been a hard age. People kind of scared us with the term three-nager when we, yeah. I, we had this, we had, we had a couple outings with like couples who were in that stage and they were not cool about, you know, how you talk about parenting to like expecting like first time parents. They were not cool about it. They were like terrifying. We had like a sitcom moment in our car afterwards where we were just like, we're not going to be like that. No way. <laughs> but they they were absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And they <laughs> they brought up, they gave us this term three-nager. I was like, that's ridiculous. And But no, that's a real thing. The three-nager, you guys have heard that, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Of course. Yeah. The three-nager or the, or the horrible threes. Oh, terrible twos, horrible threes. But I have to say, it's kind of nice knowing as well. I mean, that's one of the things that we love here on Mom Brain is we love just sort of like putting our heads together and trying to be like, oh my gosh, we need to all figure this out together and give each other emotional support. But um, there's this place, have you do follow Rage Against the Minivan? Used to be called Ask Parents. No. Okay, so Rage Against the Minivan has been like my best therapy. Forget about all the expert advice and stuff like that. It literally just photos of kids having tantrums and then <laughs> and then it says I'm an asshole parent because I wouldn't let her like you know cut her sister's hair with scissors or I wouldn't let her like jump off the balcony and like then they're just like having uh like like my my two-year-old today was having the biggest meltdown because I put sunscreen on him and it was like a 10-minute meltdown about sunscreen and I'm like and also some days they love sunscreen which is also really confusing the tyrants who live in our homes will not make up their minds about what they actually like and don't like like, how do I please you (laughs) right right but it's always nice to know that we're not that we're not alone in in all of the in all of the craziness. Did you find your pregnancy was different the second? Because uh, you had two two boys back to back. I was always I had a girl first, and then I had my son afterwards. And I was blown away by how much, at least my experience, really lived up to like the old wives' tales of you get really like wide with your girls, you go really big in the belly with your boys, like all that. And I felt so with, with Philo, I was so sweet craving all the time. With John, I just wanted frat boy food, like bring on the chicken wings, <laughs> bring on the loaded tater tots, like rit- burritos for breakfast. It was out of control. <laughs> and bizarrely, I, I think I like gained the least amount of weight with him, which was also completely unfathomable to me based on burritos for breakfast. <laughs> But I'm I'm curious if you felt like your pregnancies were the same or were they did you did you treat yourself differently, do you think? I think they were really similar. Now at the time, when I look back, I know they were similar. At the time, I didn't understand that like your second pregnancy, things are just different, you mm-hmm. know? Like you you do get wider just because you were wide. So it's just like poop, everything pops out fast. It's a duplex, not a studio it, apartment it, it, anymore. It remembers. Yes, he stretched it out yes. a little bit. It, it remembers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It remember. Yes, it does. And so and so at first I was like, oh, I think we're having a girl. But no, it was it was very similar. Very, Funny. very similar. You have a 10-month-old, is that correct? Alejandro? He is 10 months, yes. He's 10 months. So my last baby, his second name is Alejandro. Oh, really? It's a good name. Yes, I wanted to give him a little bit of, um, you know, my oldest is Edward Azard. We call him Asi. And that's, he has my dad's name. Mm-hmm. Um, My dad's Indian. And I wanted, you know, and, and for Alejandro, I, my mother's Panamanian. So I wanted him to have a little, you know, I want them each to have a little bit of, you know, their cultural background, especially you're here in the States and 
like I'm first generation, so I have that connection. Right. But sometimes it kind of, you know, it kind of, you kind of lose the connection over time as we get, as like people get more and more American. So I wanted it to be in their names. No, it's, it's the best to, to bring in, in your family. Now, I know that you do, um, we do, we know that you do a lot of work for, uh, with March for Babies. Can you tell us a little bit about March for Babies and, and your work that you do with them? I, I wor- started working with the March of Dimes when I was very young. And mm-hmm. um, I used to visit uh, Nick Hughes and stuff and, um, many years ago when I was uh, doing Fresh Prince. My mom really liked the March of Dimes and always supported them. And so, you know, um, when they came to us, she she was like, this is a good, this is a good cause. And I had amazing experiences. Um, now, again, I'm working with them. I'm on the Celebrity Advocate Council. Everything changed once. And, 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 I, and I joined that council right before um, COVID started. Um, so it's become... Um, I've been involved in webinars and, you know, I, I try to get information out there. Um, I, the, the thing that I've become really interested in because of actually my first birth experience, which wasn't <laughs> the best, um, to say the least, I ended up having an emergency C-section. Oh, wow. Things were done at the hospital that were, you know, when I, when I talk to people now and I, I talk to experts as I've become like more interested in mm-hmm in this um maternal health care like their eyes go wide their mouths are like that's not I've never heard that I've never heard of that but all these you know people like putting their forearms in my belly to like just it was really crazy it was really crazy and was it um, at a hospital you'd uh, was it like affiliated with uh, was it just because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time or you think it was like a it's a hospital that has a very, very high, like extraordinarily high C-section rate. Wow. And wow. a good, you know, a good, the nurses were great. It's a well, it's a great, a, a good, very good hospital, excellent hospital, but um, their maternity ward, they're, they're known for C-sections. And it's actually a nickname that they're given amongst the like maternal wow. health community that, I, you know, I didn't know at the time, but I started to do my own kind of legwork and, um, going to birth summits and learning about the black maternal health crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this, this is the one statistic that people talk about all the time, but black women are, are three times more likely to, to die in childbirth than white women. And just, we have a maternal health care crisis in the United States period um, because of, and it really is like the more you talk about it and the more you get into the, the whys, it really is because we have a, a structurally like patriarchal, patriarchal system, a structurally racist system. And um, it has to do with biases. It has to do with so many things. So, so I, I started really getting into that work and, and um, March of Dimes asked me to, to be on their council just to, to help get information out there. And now with COVID, you know, really getting people, I have a, a one friend just gave birth, but I've had three pregnant friends. One is about to give birth in a month who are, you know, pregnant and caring for themselves and being cared for during all of this. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot to like, there's a, there's a lot to think about and, and fight for and figure out. I'm learning a lot more now. I I, I um, was really taken aback by. I think we've heard how much we lag behind other Western and and modern societies that are that are that take really good care of women in childbirth, and how much the U.S. has really lagged behind in many mm-hmm. ways, um, both in terms of like honoring the mother's wishes and in terms of really like protecting um, the, the protecting the integrity of like exploring those options as opposed to going to the most expeditious potentially right. like. 
you know, the 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 least room for um, unpredictable outcomes, but also a predictable outcome that you don't necessarily right. want, you know? And also th- those interventions lead to a lot of problems that wouldn't probably happen if those interventions weren't there. Yeah. Totally. So I'm so curious because you, I'm so sorry that you went through, a, you know, a, a difficult first birth because I, I know that also in never having been through any birth before, you probably at some point thought like, did I do something wrong? Like, was I supposed to have said this, that, the other? Like, no, you know, there, and, um, and I'm, I'm, birth is a beautiful experience. And it also, even in its best cases is, is a holy, like body opening, wrenching experience too. So, um, you clearly, you know, have your beautiful son on the other side. And that's really, that's really the most important piece. But what did you do to prepare yourself going into it the second time? How did you like work through any anxiety you still had? How did you make sure that your wishes were going to be represented? How did you make sure you weren't going to like fall into a trap again? Um, you know, what, what were you sort of doing to prepare yourself and your friends who are going through it now, obviously with, you know, COVID as an added layer of complication? I, I started to really do my homework and, you know, the more I, first of all, my husband and I went, thank God I have a husband who likes to talk because the communication, we kind of, we didn't even realize that what we went through was so, we knew it was horrific in our bones, but we thought like, oh, I guess this is what it's supposed to be. And so we just compare it to, yeah, we just kind of wrenched our way through it and figured it out. And, um, you know, so thank God we were able to do that. But it was very after once we started to talk to people, because there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of, you know, what did we do? How, um, we realized, oh, this was we should have been in therapy. <laughs> because right, this is right. like yeah. a lot of what it's happened traumatic. is it's clinically great. wrong. And it it right. was traumatic. It's not just our feelings. I mean, this yeah. is like black and white on a piece of paper. Oh, my gosh. You know, you could go to court, maybe, you know. Right. Um, so for the second time, um, we had all those fears. We were very afraid and we, but we wanted an, another child. And so I just started to do legwork and I had posted for um, uh, Black Breastfeeding Week. I had done a post um, just sharing my breastfeeding journey. And I started to get invited to these spaces where I was suddenly around all of these experts and advocates, Black maternal healthcare workers, reproductive justice workers. Um, there are a lot of biases that that go into um, uh, Black people's experience in the hospital and in, in maternal healthcare. And, um, you know, we've seen Serena Williams talk about her experiences. Right. Beyonce talking about her experiences, even even the the small, you know, there there is a belief that there are two black women are so strong. That's one. The other is, oh, you don't know what you don't know what you're talking about. So when I say I'm in pain or I say something in my body is hurting or I say you're not listened to, that's 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 like one tiny microscopic example of the kind of like racial biases that occur in a hospital and that and that can be so detrimental to the outcome of a birth of birth and pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found the world of midwives. I found the midwife model and it's a model that Western, even Western industrialized nations that are doing this, that are doing maternity well, also have, it's incorporated into the hospital system. So the first person in England, for example, you'll see is the midwife. You right. won't go yeah. to a hospital or to an OBGYN until, unless you only go there if you need to, you know, if you, or if you want to. Um, 
there's there's this model of care that exists that used to exist in the U.S. that is patient centered, that is culturally competent, that, you know, so I actually ended up we ended up having a midwife. Now, this is what's amazing about what happened. And and it makes me really want to tell my story because it, it shows you how both modalities can work together. I saw a midwife throughout my pregnancy, this amazing uh, uh, Black woman, um, Rashaw Lawler. She's unbelievable. And she would sit with us for for two and three hours. Like she got to know my fa- our family, my, my, my son. Um, we were planning for a home birth. And right before that happened, he went transverse. <sighs> he was in place, like ready, locked and loaded. And then like a couple weeks before he was due. Naughty. He went sideways and oh. stayed there. And we we're just like, I have pictures. I was upside down. <laughs> I was oh. tried everything. I was like, because I was going for a V-back, like a home birth V-back, right? right? And did it move? And so I had so we ended up giving birth in a hospital, um, in a different hospital that, you know, the majority of the OBGYNs are women. Many are women of color. And I had my midwife with me. And we had been told that we would heal from that trauma during the second birth, that there would be a a point that I would get to and that my husband would get to that would be terrifying. We'd push through it and it would heal us, right? So the same exact thing happened, even though we were in the hospital. And it happened because we had a guide. It happened because our midwife was there. We had choices along the way. I ended up having another C-section. My midwife said, I think you should walk into the OR. Don't let them roll you in. Because I had a breakdown. Like the minute they put the epidural in and said, or they were about to and they're explaining it. And he said, so you won't feel anything from the neck down. I was just so overcome and overwhelmed. And she came over to my feet and she held my feet tight. My mom was there too. And my mom said, you know, she was praying for you. And I was like, I don't know, but I felt it. And it was like, I knew I was like, oh, this is that moment she was talking about, but it was supposed to be in a tub in my house. But it happened (laughs) anyway. It happened anyway. And that's when she said, walk, you walk yourself in. And I did. And it made all the difference in the world, the, the choice, because Mm -hmm. I think what, 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 Medicine here in in the United States doesn't realize is that we know, women know, mothers know, we want what's best. You know what I'm saying? If given all the the options, when we, and you're and we're educated in what's going on, you tell us what's going on. We're going to make the best choice. We want our babies to be healthy. Nobody wants that more than us. And I had that choice. So even though I we ended up being in a hospital with a C-section, I would, having another child, I would absolutely, and I've now I've had two, so that I can have a V-back. But I would do it exactly the same. I would have my midwife and the entire pregnancy and you would be walk. exactly the same. And I will walk myself in, girl. Like, I know they're going to cut me open, but I am going to choose to do this. It's choice. It's choice. And it's, it's choice. also, you're absolutely right. There is so much that we're not taught to to speak up and listen to ourselves. I mean, how many times over, you know, my course of having kids was I like, I'm feeling this. And they were like, you don't, you don't know what you're, <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. But it is this, this need to, this need to speak up for yourself and, and realize that it's okay. You're, as you say, we want what's best. 
Yes. It's not like we're stubborn and we want something that's like, you know, mystical and twistical and stuff like that. We just want what's best. You know, unlike every other disease that is treated in hospital, pregnancy isn't a disease, right? Like you're exactly. not there because something's wrong with you. Exactly. You're there to to birth a baby. And I think because of that, the power dynamic – and look, I've had all my babies in hospital. I love my doctors. I obviously come from a medical family. I, I always, you know, trust and value the insights that they offer. But – I do I, – I, maybe because I've been born into a medical family, it's always been like doctrine for us that you you do ask the questions. And it, it is on you to push back when you don't agree or when you think like you – you know, you 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 think there might be an alternative path. And, and you can only be your own best advocate when you know what your possible outcomes are. And then you really rely on the expert guides to like weigh those options with you, right? But I think it is a confrontation in a way, right? And like – that's why I think birth plans are so important because you don't want to be put in that position of having to fight for yourself or trying to have like an intellectual argument when you're in labor. You <laughs> can't. You're like, you know, like I you're can barely vulnerable. do it. When I, and you're vulnerable and you're, you know, as empowered as you might be feeling, there is a fear portion to it too. And there is a um, a power dynamic where you want to like, you, you know, you want to put your trust in in someone to take care of you. But um, but I think that it's I think that it's really powerful hearing you talk about whether or not you follow along with like something that's different than your plan and was supposed was supposed to be i say this in like giant air quotes right yeah. because nobody's nobody's plan is anything <laughs> supposed it is what it is um but i i think the power shift is such a small but important thing how you take your power back in any situation right where like it it has um it really sunk home for me and i i feel that hearing you because it wasn't that your experience was perfectly exactly the way that you wanted it, but right. you approached it in a way where you your power your choice wasn't taken away from you, your power wasn't taken away from you, and therefore you felt better through it, which is awesome. And I love how you tell it that your healing happened in this very different but special moment, which is so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's also having an advocate. You had an advocate there. Yes. You know, and there is as much as we want to control things and have a birth plan and everything, there is a big element at the end where we just have to put your hands up at the end. And say, you know, pregnancy and childbirth sometimes is not benevolent. And mm-hmm. I kind of have to go mm. with the flow a little bit. And it can't be, you know, well, I'm not listening to my song and I don't have these particular flip-flops and I don't this. And, you know, the, the thing, the little things that think that gets that that seem very big, that we get very caught up in, and nobody can get caught up in things like a pregnant woman. I mean, like it's unbelievable the obsession that we can have about things. But going in and having an advocate who can kind of – you can check in with. It sounds like what you did with your midwife. And being like, hey, you know what? This is not what I wanted. But you're here and I'm here. We're checking this and this feels okay and yeah. we're doing this together. I mean, that that is that is amazing to have that kind of support. And we hope that, you know, a lot of people can – find, um, you know, their healthcare practitioners who are advocates for them and, and exactly what you're talking about with, with March for Babies and, um, you know, the, are the issues with maternity, um, health, um, for, for everybody, but particularly for black women, it's, it's very concerning right now in terms of that we're not taught to listen to our bodies and we are not given advocates. We're given people who tell us what we feel, how to feel, when to feel, what to do, and we suffer because of it. The, the, the people in the, in the Black midwife community, if, you know, I certainly don't speak for them, but I've gotten to know some of them over, over the, this couple of years and I follow a lot of people on my Instagram, you know, as, as this um, Black Lives Matter movement has, has taken really, really taken hold um, 
in a in a global way, they are really, um, you know, trying to not trying to, but you know, bl- black black mothers and black babies matter too. Like that's a huge yeah. part of this movement. And um, I want anybody who's watching this to understand that I am speaking from a very privileged perspective as a black woman. Okay, um, I could find I was in the right places to you know, be around advocates to, to be able to find a, a, a midwife, to have the insurance that would cover it after the fact. Okay. Right, right. Because a lot of insurers don't cover doulas, don't cover midwives. Um, that, you know, I think LA has a pilot program for that. So, you, you know, I, I'm not in, I didn't go to a public hospital. Okay. I, I'm I'm speaking from a privileged position as a black woman. For many 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 black women, it's not just about advocating for themselves. They are there there incredible studies that have been done by the Birth Lab, um a group of 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 doctors in um uh British Columbia about US health systems and the treatment of black women. I mean, and I got a taste of it mm-hmm. being yelled at, screamed at um being ignored you know inordinate wait times and it's black women and it's black babies who are dying because of these treatment th- this kind of treatment in the hospital so you know there are stories out there that will would make your skin crawl and they're not yeah. they're not um you know few and far between once you really start to to dig into this topic and start to speak to people who are experiencing it. I'm talking about almost kind of random drug tests for mothers who are coming in to birth their babies. Uh, I've heard stories about uh, welfare workers coming to the hospital, threatening to take away children, like newborn babies, because of the, you know, low income status of the mother. Wow. And like we said, being a being a, being a birthing woman, you're in a vulnerable state. Um, like add a hundred times to that. So so there and and the other thing that 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 I'd like to add is that there are answers and there are solutions like people have been working on this as a problem. Reproductive mm-hmm. justice advocates have been working on this. The answers are access to midwives, access to doulas as like as a, as a modality shift in the country. Like that's a huge part of it. And having it be covered, you know, universal yeah. health care, having everybody have access to 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 midwives and doulas and also black midwives and black doula training. There's a whole I'm, I'm working on a project um, to get all of the information that I was able to piece together for myself and for my family mm-hmm. and to, you know, put it in a, in a form that, that I can just be shared, like all of this information that I have. But thank you for letting me say that because I, I want, I want people to know that, you know, when you're listening to me talk about my experience as a black woman, it's not, um, I am speaking from a privileged place. Being a black mother to have two little babies and sort of seeing what's happening right now in the world um, and, you know, I mean, we're every, not everybody, obviously not everybody, but I feel like there's a, there's a lot of people coming together, trying to address this, um, I mean, racial injustice has been around for w- very, very, very long. 
how how are you planning on having number one having these conversations with your children mm-hmm. and what are things that you think that you know for all of us who are listening that we can do to try to propel this forward and definitely not let it stop right not go backwards for sure and continue that you know drive forward I'll start with the second part of the question. There's there's always the macro and the micro. Like the macro is do what you can, you know, and what you're able to, like donate, uh, protest, um, and 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 support these causes. Okay. So that's that's the macro. But there's there's also, I think what's incredibly powerful as well are is is the micro, is the is where you are in, in, in your life. Like I have a sister who works in corporate America, right? Even as an actor, I've experienced this. And she is, she is often the only black person in the room at a, and she works at a high level. Now there are many rooms in her corporation, um, where there are no black people in the room. And I think it's time for everybody to say, Hey, why is this? (laughs) Something's wrong here. Why, why isn't this room representative? You know, why isn't there diversity in this room? I think that's something that everybody should, could, could do. Um, I, that's a big one for my sons. You know, before the protest, before George Floyd was murdered, um, maybe a month or so before, and I know this because we were in the pandemic, but it was before that, my son was asking, he, I don't know what came up, or what he, we were reading, it might have been in highlights or something where he asked about police officers. Now, my father was a police officer in New York. I think he asked what they were or something. And I had to tell him a completely different answer than I got when I was a kid. I had to say, well, some are good people and some are bad people. If you need help, you come to mommy and daddy. We're always there for you. We got you. And, you know, I had to say it in a simple way that he could understand. But, you know, that's that's the police part of it. The 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 other part of it is. And and I oftentimes people say like, oh, you know, yes, I'm I'm raising black sons, but but black women are at risk, too. I mean, you know, Breonna Taylor's killers are, are still are still, uh, you know, unaccounted for. They're still in the streets. Um, there There have been so many black women who've been killed as well. Um, but for my sons, I have to raise them the way that I was raised, which is with a different set of rules than I think a lot of people, we've been hearing, you know, them talk about this in the media, but, you know, black children are raised with a different set of rules from everybody else. You know, you're, you're taught that you have to, if you're going to do the work, you don't just do a hundred percent, you have to do 200%. You're, you have to be on guard. You have to watch your back. You have to, um, there's, there's a defensive posture that you have mm-hmm. to teach your children to keep them safe um, from harm. And that's true no matter what your socioeconomic status is because, because it, it, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. You know, that you're, you're, you're black, you're black. I, my wildest dream, and I think it is of everybody of this going through this is I, I, and to think of it, like brings tears to my eyes, like to imagine a time where like, I don't have to raise my kids that way. You know, my, I don't have to worry 
we're in an excellent school district, but there are, uh, is an, there are other Black families I know who their five-year-olds are being called aggressive in gym. Yeah, but this is what I mean. Like, these are the biases. I know you. that just blew your mind, right? You're like, wait, what? <laughs> that makes no sense. Well, also, just because I have a, I have a, a almost five-year-old son, and like part of me also is like, like in some ways you they they I'm I'm I don't I don't know I don't even know no what to please say. please so no say weird. it no say it because uh, it sounds crazy it sounds it's like, of course crazy. they're aggressive in gym it's a five year that, that was my point my point was like boys like like have you met a boy right because they're boys well they're crazy right like, so imagine being called in to discuss that behavior that normal behavior as something that is abnormal or in need of addressing um, and punishing, you know, and right. something to watch for in, in your, in your child. It's, it's, but, and then imagine as, a, and then imagine that you knew it was coming. Like then, then imagine that you saw your mom go to the principal's office constantly to protect really? you. Really? You know what I'm saying? So that's how people live. That's how people live in this country all the time. And so that's what's happening. That's so amazing. It's like a sep. It's like that, that I hope that veil is, you know, getting pulled back so that, you know, there is a real equality. There's an equality of experience. That's, that's my hope. But in the meat, but you know, I have to, I'm, I'm, you know, we're black parents and we're raising our, our sons to, I, when, when this, all this happened, like, I found myself constantly like in prayer over my kids, which I do anyway, but like a constant. And also, you know, we're walking down the street and we're saying that, and you know, you're saying extra smiles when you say hello, because people are tense and you could feel it. And that fearful prayer i i decided to i want i want my sons to be to be able to be powerful i want them to be powerful you know i want them to grow into powerful men and for their power or their strength to not be a reason for them to have um a mark on them you know mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that that's 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 my hope for them and so and and that's what that is how I intend on raising them, like to be really wise, to have their defenses up when necessary, but also to equip them with education, with with spirituality, with faith that also that allows them to be powerful. It's it's so powerful listening to you speak. And I think that we've spent some time on this podcast talking about shame and like we talk about discipline and and the shame that's inherent in some t- some forms of discipline and i remember very early on i can't think of the expert's name right now but she was saying that shame is one of the most stunting stifling experiences a child can go through mm-hmm. and um and listening to you know to to just your example of of the boys you know boy being called out as aggressive in gym class and like being made to feel shameful for for something so natural and so normal and so like a part of who he is uh, is is mind-boggling and, and an important transition uh, an important phase to go through i mean we go through all of these phases five-year-olds go through their phase because that's part of 
getting turning six, becoming six, exactly. and, and, and figuring things out. And it's trial and error. And we're like little cave people when we're younger, and we're just like we're like, well, I don't like that, so I'm gonna bash you, mm-hmm. you know. And that's we have to kind of, you know, it's I'm I'm I mean, thank you so much for for sharing all of that with us. It's it is really inspiring. I want to ask just one just one question really quickly of you, if we could. Yeah. Um, what, what, how are you letting, because I think part of it is the conversations that our kids are ultimately going to have with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like we as adults are doing our part, but how are, how are you thinking about arming your sons with, with the words to use and the things to say when inevitably, because as you just said, like living with this knowledge that at some point your parents had to do this for you and you're going to do it for your kids, which just sucks, you know, like how are you arming your kids to be able to have those conversations and to stick up for themselves? So, like kind of like we were talking about with you in your in your um birth experience like how do, how do you give your kids that strength and how do you know what how do they know what to say how are you helping them become advocates in their own way at the at the moment you know i'm not bogging them down with all this I don't they're know little. if I can say they're that. So they're, they're really little. He's but, one. He's one. He's got time. But what I am giving them, what I am arming them with is, you know, we just moved into a new house and I'm working on a photo wall of our of all of our family and our great grandparents and great great grandparents yeah. and you know the oldest pictures I can find even people is like well I don't know who that is but your nana says that that's so and so. Um I want them to know who they are. You know, I I want them. That's the armor is this is where you come from. These are who you come from. These are your people. And this is who you look like. And you're beautiful because you look like them. Um, um, And they walked through this world before you were even born looking like you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And this is who they become, who they became. And you're their wildest dream. And that is what I'll arm them with. And they'll come to me, you know, crying and confused. Like I came to my mom, like I just got called such and such. Almost every black person knows when they first got called the name because of the color of their skin, you know, or were looked at funny or asked about their hair. Everybody has a story like that. Um, and they'll they'll be confused and they'll cry, but it will be able to, you know, what the 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 core, the foundation will be set. So that, mm. you know, we'll deal with that when it comes. But but it's really about, it's about pride, you know, pride, like self-pride. And open communication. I mean, it yes. sounds like, you know, from the hope and the faith and the, the connection that you're developing with your kids. And we didn't talk that much about your husband, but it's, you said he talks a lot. <laughs> so yes, I, I think it's all your life. I do too. <laughs> recipe for an amazing, amazing connection. <laughs> We're really so grateful for for all of the wisdom here because you know that's that's one of the biggest take home I think that we're all think that we're all realizing is just listen, just listen and learn, and you know no matter how much I mean this has been a great learning experience for me. I mean I am like the most namaste open minded person in the world, but I live in a bubble, not just because of privilege, but because we live in New York. And New York is, I mean, not everybody's namaste, definitely not everybody's namaste in New York, but you know, I mean, we're like, this color is next to that color, next to this person, mm-hmm. next to that person. Like, if you look really normal, maybe people are going to start to look at you, but you know, but the crazies, <laughs> we all walk around together, you know, I mean, there's not a lot that can face a New Yorker. And you start to believe that, well, that's how everybody feels. And this is not yeah. a problem. 
And that's the problem. Yeah. And you realize, I mean, one of the things is you start to realize that we're as much of a problem as, as a lot of the other stuff because we're just not aware, you know? And it's like, well, I don't feel this way and my kids are great. So then there I'm, I'm, there we go. And that's been an eye-opening thing. So thank you so much for, for – um, for sharing your your wisdom with us because this is this is a conversation that we want to continue to 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 push forward to make the world a better place for all of us yeah. and, and all our little tiny people. And all our little people. Yes. All our little people. I I love your photo wall idea. I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think it's brilliant for all families and I think it's you know, so powerful it to know your roots and know like who you came from and how you said it was perfect. They walked this earth before you were even like a, a one genome. You know, like, and, and you are their wildest dreams. Like to think about the future and the potential of your life. Compa- to, to think of your grandparents thinking of what your life could oh hold is goodness. just awesome. Yeah. But but we do like to ask our guests for a favorite thing. So if you have another favorite thing you'd like to oh. share, please do. I feel like everybody knows about this because I found it like I found it on a list. But Cosmic Kids Yoga Yes. That's a favorite thing. Yeah, Laura thing. talked about that. I know love them. Okay. I love them. My son loves that. And he doesn't even want me to be a part of it. He's like, go away. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so Thank much. You. We're so grateful yeah, for Thank your you. time. Thank you for what you guys do. This is a bat. So that was such a great conversation with Tatiana Ali, mom of two. And and I mean, I'm so grateful that she was willing to share about her story between her birth with her first son to her birth with her second, how it really you know helped her heal the way that she needed to, um, and which I think a lot of moms go through. But it was really, really challenging to, to, to confront these realities that a lot of black mothers and black babies specifically are dealing with. And and we do have a maternal health crisis in this country that I, I know we've spoken about a bit on mom brain. And I think we hopefully will get to chat with, um, with more experts in the, in the area because, um, you know, obviously all of us are committed to making sure that mothers and babies have the best possible experience um, entering the world and bringing new life into the world. Um, and I also loved the closing thought she left us with around giving her kids this wonderful sense of who they came from and who th- what their potentials and who they can be, because I think that is a really critical part of the conversation moving forward uh, around identity and around community and around acceptance and around uh, equality. Like it is about knowing who you are first and foremost and how to hold your space in this universe. So I just really enjoyed listening to uh, a, a woman who as a girl I thought was the coolest person ever has, you know, and, Will and Smith's she, little cousin. But you know what? <laughs> she truly, she truly is a like an amazing, amazing human. And we were lucky to to have this time with her. So we hope you guys Loved the interview too. And now it's time for our favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite things. Yes! All right, guys, my favorite thing, I am in full nesting mode, getting ready to have this baby in like, I don't know, like two and a half months, something like that. And I am so late to this party, but babylist.com is so fun. Hmm. And I, had you know babylist.com? No. Okay, babylist. Okay, well, everybody, I kept on asking on, on my Instagram for like different advice, and everybody's like, babylist.com, babylist.com. That's so why I looked at it, and it's like so cool. It has like so much stuff. I mean, I started having babies back in um, Babies RS days. Um, and so I feel like just 
and it's just they have got uh, like reviews of things and they're like the top bathtubs for 2020 and I don't know what's wrong with me right now but I am like car seat obsessed I can't bring myself to actually purchase a car seat and I think it's like kind of funny because we're like in COVID lockdown and like we don't go anywhere and that's right. the thing I'm right. obsessing about <laughs> everything you might buy is <laughs> too small for your child but by the time <laughs> you get in the car again <laughs> exactly well the baby will have to be in at least like once coming from the hospital but um yeah. All right. Anyway, what's your favorite thing? Um, okay. So my favorite thing, I um, I want to share a snack that I've been noshing on this summer. I feel like, you know, look, it's hot. You're you're just <laughs> every. I feel like I'm always looking for like a little bit of something comforting during the days. I don't want to eat um, ice cream every <laughs> every evening, although that would definitely be the preferred mo- moment for me. Something cooling, something light. But I um. I started, I bought these at Whole Foods maybe a year ago. And it was one of those things that, like I put in the back of my pantry and never kind of realized that I had until recently as I've been working through everything in my pantry. Um, they're dried organic jackfruit from a company called Mavuno Harvest. It is one of the most delicious. It tastes like toffee. Like there's the way that the sweetness in it condenses and it's really chewy. So you can't overeat it. Cause I think something that, you know, if you have a bit of a sweet tooth, fruit is normally the go-to, but you can overdo it on fruit too. Fruit has a, quite a bit of its own sugar, especially dried out fruit. Um, so it's the perfect for me. Like it tastes like to- toffee. It really has this wonderful caramel sweetness. It's chewy enough that I'm not tempted to eat the whole bag. Cause like you'll literally, you know, <laughs> pull your jaw out. So um, it's been one of my summer go-tos and it's nice. I have it in my purse or I'll keep it, um, you know, just around. And it's one of those things where you can have it, um, have it on standby for a quick burst of energy or just a, n- a nice snack. The kids really like it. Again, it's a little bit of like a tough chew, but I really, I, I have to say it's better than mango for me. Don't forget to um, follow us on Instagram, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, email us mombrainpod at gmail.com. We love everything from questions to comments to ideas, people who you think should be on um, the podcast. We we are very much look forward to all of your emails. And if you have thoughts about the, uh, the podcast, the episode, if you want to continue the conversation, head online. We are on all those platforms, as Ilari just said, and we'd love to love to bring you guys in and have more of the conversation continue there. All right, guys, talk to you next week. Bye. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.